Happy Easter weekend, y'all. I want to slip this report in as we head into the Easter weekend to make sure that you are up to date. I don't know if you remember this. Probably if you're in Travis County in Austin area of Texas, you're probably getting more news about this. But I think you guys may recall the story of the Uber driver who was surrounded by Antifa and BLM people in 2020 during the, the riots there. And an Antifa guy pointed a gun at the Uber driver and the Uber driver, remember his, his car was surrounded by a mob. He had just dropped off a passenger and was trying to get out of the area, surrounded by a mob. A gun was pointed at him and he in self-defense shot at the person, uh, killed them, called the police for them to come and see if they could save this person and turn himself in and was released on bail. Now, this is Texas. You think, oh, okay, that's fine. Texas. Oh, yeah, but it's Travis County, of which Austin is the county seat and one of the most leftist. Actually, it is the most leftist place in Texas, as far as I know. And they've got to make an example of him. And let's not forget this person, Daniel Perry, was a Texas soldier, a sergeant. A Texas soldier was found guilty today after the Georgie Porgy Zorro-backed district attorney Jose Garza sought murder charges, charges for an act of self-defense during the 2020 George Floyd riots. Sergeant Daniel Perry, an Army soldier who shot and killed an armed BLM Antifa protester in Austin in July 2020, was indicted on a murder charge in 2021. Perry's lawyer argued his client who was driving Uber when riders mobbed his car was acting in self-defense after the BLM activist Garrett Foster pointed a gun at him. Quote, it is important to note that the standard of proof required for an indictment is significantly less than the standard of proof required for a conviction. So they got an indictment. Okay. But that doesn't mean that because they got the indictment, they should get the conviction. But a Travis County jury found Daniel Perry guilty of murder, but they did not find him guilty of aggravated assault. Hmm. The nearly week-long trial for a U.S. Army sergeant accused of killing a demonstrator at a social justice protest in downtown Austin nearly three years ago has come to an end. After hearing testimony from dozens of witnesses, the Travis County jury heard closing arguments from both the defense and the prosecution yesterday in the case of Daniel Perry, who shot and killed Garrett Foster. Following 17 hours of deliberation, the jury found Perry guilty of murder in connection with Foster's death. The jury found him not guilty of aggravated assault. Isn't murder supposed to be premeditated? Did he go there looking to kill an Antifa BLM person? No, he was working. Dropping someone off as a rideshare driver. How could they possibly get, get this as, as, a, as, a, as a murder? I don't know the law, but it just seems nonsensical. According to Perry's lawyers, Perry dropped off a rideshare customer in downtown Austin and was then surrounded by demonstrators. Some of them allegedly beat on Perry's car, including Foster. Foster and his fiance had a, attended previous demonstrations. At the one on July 25th, Foster was holding a rifle. Perry claims, Perry claims Foster raised a weapon, prompting Perry to shoot him. Perry called 911, but Foster did not survive. Perry said he acted in self-defense and turned himself into authorities after the shooting. Since then, he's been out on bond. Now, there's videos of this. 
they show his car being surrounded. And there's pictures where it looks like Garrett Foster um, pointing a gun at him. The Austin police said during a late night press conference back in 2020 that Foster was carrying a rifle and may have approached the vehicle prior to the shooting. Prior to being fatally shot, Garrett Foster said on camera that the people who hate us are too big of pansies, but he didn't say pansies, to actually do anything about it when asked why he was carrying a rifle. Man, things suck where there's anywhere within the borders of the Republic of Texas where someone pulls a gun on you, you're surrounded by a mob, you shoot them in self-defense, and you get convicted of murder. All right, folks, I don't know what the appeals process is, but uh, much prayers to Daniel Perry. If you can't defend yourself in Texas, where the hell can you defend yourself? Okay, folks, I didn't know if you knew this, but Nashville, Tennessee is the border with Mexico. That's what I'm guessing because it looks like VP Harris (laughs) is headed to Nashville. Oh, yeah, I forgot. She's not going there because she cares about the border, even though she's the border czar for Joe Biden. She's there to make political points with the Tennessee Three. These are the three lawmakers who voted against the school safety bill, two of which have been ejected by their colleagues. Vice President Kamala Harris is heading to Nashville to support the Tennessee Three, each of whom voted against a school safety bill yesterday that seeks to place an armed guard in every school. The lawmakers, Gloria Johnson, Justin Jones, and Justin Pearson, voted against the school safety bill on the same day that votes were scheduled to remove them from office for allegedly breaking House rules. The Tennessee House voted to expel two of the lawmakers, Jones and Pearson, while Johnson narrowly missed being expelled as well. Today, USA Today reported that Harris will travel to Nashville to be with Johnson, Jones, and Pearson. Looks like Kamala Harris is trying to uh, give Charlatan. Uh, Al Charlatan, I mean, Al Sharpton, Charlatan, Al Charlatan, Al Al Sharpton, or run for his money. Harris said, six people, including three children, were killed last week in a school shooting in Nashville. How did Republican lawmakers in Tennessee respond? By expelling their colleagues who stood with Tennesseans and said enough is enough. This is undemocratic and dangerous. No, what's dangerous are the type of terrorists that shot and killed these three individuals, three children and three adults, that the same type of, this type of domestic terrorist is also thwarted in Colorado, I reported on. And if you watch my BCP unfiltered episode from today, you can catch that at therealbcp.com or bcpextras.com or bcppodcast.com, episode 315 of my show. I show how these very violent, demonically possessed people are going after athletes like high school and collegiate swimmers, uh, people who have a different opinion, including uh, a Semitic man. They try to uh, drown him out. So those activists are the actual dangerous ones. But of course, we're not supposed to report anything having to do with the identity and the confusion of the shooter of those Nashville people, three adults and three children. 
nor the fact that there may be mental illness involved with this confusion. Okay, let's talk about the real border now. Border Patrol agents received instructions from the Biden administration officials to stop using the CDC emergency virus 19 Title 40 authority on Venezuelans apprehended along the border in Texas and Texas's busiest sectors. Okay. So according to a source within Customs and Border Patrol, the Biden administration will no longer accept Venezuelan migrants expelled under Title 42 authority. And that is going to cause a run of them on the border. Biden has stopped the Title 42 expulsion for Venezuelan migrants because Mexico won't take them anymore. Why wouldn't, okay, first of all, I don't understand. Well, I, I do understand because I know that this is all by design. They're trying to keep the poorest border open so the drug cartels can make money with fentanyl. China can undermine our country by poisoning us. And we know that Mexico is a narco state. So I really understand what's going on here. All the different factions that have their own agendas that align with keeping an open border and undermining American sovereignty at the southern border. What I mean when I say I don't understand is how do they logically make a case for the fact that Mexico is in charge of their borders and we're in charge of ours. If Mexico won't take the Venezuelans that we kick out because of Title 42, well, boo-hoo, damn it, that is Mexico's problem for not securing their southern border with Guatemala and their ports of entry and their airports. Why is it our problem? Oh, yeah, like I said, it's by design. Why, why wouldn't Mexico want these peaceful Venezuelans who, for instance, uh, burned down a um, burned down this place uh, in, uh, I believe, in Juarez, Mexico? They they were not happy with being housed in this place. They wanted to come to America. They burned the mattresses, and a whole bunch of them died. Knuckleheads. Or the same group of a thousand migrants. I think I showed this on my other show. Thousand migrants trying to storm the El Paso port of entry because the coyotes, the the traffickers, told them, "Hey, rush the border, let you in." But then they got expelled because of Title Forty Two. Well, that's going away all by design, folks. Joey can't wait to make the problem at the southern border worse. Meanwhile, we have all of these illegal immigrants coming in, displacing our unskilled labor workers putting a strain on public services. Ask stupid idiot mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, how that's working out. And then we have this tweet today from President Biden at POTUS. This is a good jobs report for hardworking Americans. Unemployment is near our record low at 3.5% and 236,000 jobs were added in March. That's 12.6 million jobs created since I took office. We're facing economic challenges from a position of strength, Joey claims. Okay, right. All right, folks. Let's, let's read what Fox Business had to say in their analysis of it. The jobs cuts, there's been job cuts, and it surged 15% in March from the previous month. And large-scale layoffs will likely continue. The pace of jobs cut by U.S. employers accelerated in March with the number of layoffs climbing 15% from just one month ago. 
This is for a report published uh, yesterday by Challenger, Gray, and Christmas. Companies announced almost 90,000 job cuts in March. That is 319% higher than the same time one year ago. But Joey is saying that we're facing economic challenges from our position of strength. What malarkey. So far this year, the employers announced plans to cut more than 270,000 jobs and almost 400% increase. I'm sorry, I rounded up. 396% increase. 4x. Four times. But nothing to see here, folks. Porous border, people coming in, displacing skilled, uh, uh, unskilled labor and skilled labor, driving up the cost of education for our children, putting a, a lot of weight and pressure on our social services, and in the meantime, taking jobs away from needy Americans who were here first. Okay, folks, let's get into, uh, I saw this and there was one sentence, which I put as the title of this episode of this live stream, but this is a last minute live stream. So there's, I, I didn't put the chat up. They're not fun to do it. And there's like five or six or seven people. I plan on this to be a fairly short, at least for me, live stream. So by the time people be getting in, I'd be done. So if we, we might do another live stream this weekend, I'll give you a, Heads up, make sure you like, share, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. We have the bank records and the facts are not good for the Biden family. Fox News today, House Oversight Committee subpoenas banks, Biden family associates in probe of finances. The Republican-led House Oversight Committee has subpoenaed several major banks for financial records belonging to Biden family associates. But there's a little bit of drama here having to do with Democrats wanting to cover this up. That's why this story is juicier than it seems at first brush. The House Oversight Committee issued subpoenas to banks asking for Biden family associates' financial records. Remember, James Comer has clearly said that this is an investigation into Joe Biden himself. Fox News has confirmed that the Oversight Committee subpoenaed Bank of America, Cathay Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, and HSBC, as well as former Hunter Biden associate Mervyn Yan, asking for financial records. Now, here's where the cover-up comes in. Representative Jamie Raskin, Democrat out of Maryland, the top Democrat on the Oversight Committee, complained that committee chairman James Comer was trying to hide information regarding the investigation from Democrats on the committee. Is it maybe because the Democrats are trying to sabotage everything? I don't know. Listen to this and you decide. In a statement to Fox News, Comer said, Ranking member Raskin has again disclosed committee subpoenas in a cheap attempt to thwart cooperation from other witnesses. That's right. They leak stuff to the press to sway public opinion and put pressure on the investigators investigating the malfeasance, skullduggery, greed, corruption, nepotism, and other crimes of treason by the Biden clan. That's all my words, not. Fox News, they would never speak that straightforward. So let me go back to reading the entire thing from Fox News. This is the statement that James Comer said, quote, Ranking member Raskin has again disclosed committee subpoenas in a cheap attempt to thwart cooperation from other witnesses. Given his antics with the first bank subpoena, the American people and media should be asking what information ranking member Raskin is trying to hide this time. 
No one should be fooled by ranking member Raskin's games. We have the bank records and the facts are not good for the Biden family. Bravo, James Comer. Bravo. The Oversight Committee Democrat staff sent a memo to members on Thursday, which accused Republicans of conducting their investigation behind a veil of secrecy. Isn't that how we want the investigation? Isn't that how Alvin Bragg was doing his investigation? Quote, despite the massive investment of times and resources, Republican efforts on this and other congressional committees have failed to yield any evidence of misconduct by President Biden. Nevertheless, Chairman Comer has issued six document subpoenas for financial records as part of his renewed investigation, several of which have been based on information committee Republicans know to be false. That was a memo from Raskin. Wow. There's no evidence of any misconduct by Biden. Yeah, he's squeaky clean. Guess what? They haven't been able to pin anything on Trump by extension. Wouldn't that make Trump squeaky clean? They have vetted this guy from Wednesday through Tuesday, and they found nothing on him. Oh, no, I forgot. He's Trump, so he's automatically guilty. He's guilty until, until he can prove himself innocent, according to Nancy Pelosi. The Democratic memo alleges that Republicans haven't been publicizing their subpoenas or notifying Democrats, which has reportedly resulted in some targets of subpoenas being unaware that the committee is seeking their records. Highly unlikely. But according to the article, quote, on February 27, 2023, Chairman Comer secretly issued the committee's first document subpoena as part of the committee Republicans' ongoing investigation into the Biden family to Bank of America. This subpoena sought, among other information, all financial records. For John R. Walker, a private U.S. citizen, yet because of the James, James, Chairman Comer's use of secret subpoena, Mr. Walker was never notified that the committee had subpoenaed his financial records for Bank of America. He, has, he was never notified that Bank of America turned over his records to the committee, and he was never notified that the committee was publicly releasing information from these records. Why do I have a hard time believing that James Comer did all this on the sneak and got Bank of America to cooperate? It seems like misinformation, disinformation, or half information, which, of course, is what the Democrats deal in. But James Comer is very clear here, folks. Please forgive me. I'm still congested. He said very, very simply, we have the bank records and the facts are not good for the Biden family. What is... J.B. Raskin try to hide. Who is he being a cover upper for? I hope we find out soon, but I won't hold my breath. These treasonous trader rat bastards get away with it every single time. By the way, if you want to look at the latest poll numbers, among Trump supporters, 62%, they are definitely participating in the upcoming Iowa presidential caucus. Well, only 55% of DeSantis supporters gave this response. Once again, there's more fervor and energy behind President Trump than anyone running so far or will be running in 2024, including Ron, as President Trump calls him, De Sanctimonious, DeSantis, governor, whatever you want to call him. This is the first poll since, this is the first poll in Iowa since President Trump was indicted. Now, here's an interesting thing. Carrie Lake, by far, is the one people want to see as his theoretical vice presidential running mate. So there you have that, folks. There you have that. 
Okay, speaking of disclosure and memos, Clarence Thomas is being skewered because there's a new rule. This is what's going on. Yesterday, ProPublica launched an attack on Clarence Thomas because he took vacations with a billionaire Republican donor, a Republican donor who has been his friend for 25 plus years. And remember, he's a Supreme Court justice. He is appointed for life. He doesn't have to run again. He doesn't need billionaire Republican donors to give him anything. He's got a guaranteed job for life as long as he's healthy and willing and able to do the job. So this has to do with Harlan Crow, a prominent Republican donor. The Democrat media complex attacks Clarence Thomas for taking vacations with a friend and are now demanding accountability. This is the cool thing about Clarence Thomas. He doesn't suffer fools. He doesn't stay quiet. He doesn't whine. He pushes back. Harlan and Kathy Crow are among our dearest friends, and we have been friends for over 25 years. As friends do, we have joined them on a number of family trips during the more than quarter century we have known them. Early in my tenure at the court, I sought guidance from my colleagues and others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from both close personal friends who do not have business before the court was not reportable. He didn't have to report it. I have endeavored to follow that counsel throughout my tenure and have always sought to to comply with the disclosure guidelines. These guidelines are now being changed as a committee of the Judicial Conference responsible for the financial disclosures for the entire federal judiciary just this past month announced new guidance. And it is, of course, my intent to follow these gu- this guidance in the future. So he complies, they find this, and they, they want to skewer him. Yet it wasn't reportable before, and it's not an ethics violation according to the rules. He has no, the, uh, Crower has no business, Harlan Crow, excuse me, has no business before the Supreme Court. And Clarence Thomas is not receiving campaign funds because he's not running. Absolutely ridiculous, but good for Clarence Thomas for not falling for the okie doke. And I think I'm going to end there, folks. I will probably have a report or two more for you over the Easter weekend. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye, God bless. Please don't forget to smash that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Don't forget we have two other shows here on YouTube. We have a sister channel called the BCP Report. The link is down below. I also have another show called BCP Unfiltered. I dropped episode 315 today. You got to see it. Support us over at therealbcp.com, bcpextras.com, or bcppodcast.com. To the next one, ciao, goodbye, God bless, and happy Easter.